Uh, so yeah, it's part of the uh, series on Corinthians, not on uh, faith, but nonetheless, it's about faith. I'm going to give it a minute. Do you know what? I'll give it a minute. Yeah, let's give it a minute. Right, uh, I'll do the reading. Now, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So, as my final talk here, it's tempting to throw the kitchen sink at it and tell you all the stuff that I feel I've not told you before. But I can't, because we'd be here all week. And uh, it'd be like Paul speaking when he was about to leave Ephesus, when he spoke all night and the guy fell out the window. Uh, so we'd better not do that. Uh, but what I'm going to focus on is, is the title in verse 7, which is that we live by faith, not by sight. And I was so keen to speak on this subject, because it's something I've wrestled with my whole Christian life, uh, as to what does that mean? And I feel it's only recently, really, that I've got any kind of handle on it. Uh, so we'll see how we go in terms of conveying that to you. So there are two things I'm going to talk about that I would say have changed my life, and there are three things that I'm going to talk about. Uh, before I get into the three things, first off, uh, Eugene Peterson's version of verse 7 in the message is, it's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. So that's his take on we live by faith, not by sight. And the other one is from Matthew Henry's commentary, which if you use Bible uh, Gateway, the website, it's pretty much the only uh, commentary that's free. So I got this from that, but it, I liked it. Uh, we have not the vision and fruition of God as of an object that is present with us and as we hope for hereafter when we shall see as we are seen. Now the really pertinent bit. Note, faith is for this world and sight is reserved for the other world. And it's our duty and will be our interest to walk by faith till we come to live by sight. So the first point, uh, I've tried to talk about this before and messed it up. So I think this encapsulates it. Putting your faith in obedience is a world apart from obedience that comes from faith. 
So try and bear that in mind as we go through. Putting your faith in obedience is a world apart from obedience that comes from faith. Now that sounds like, it might sound like just words and gobbledygook to you. So I'm going to try and expand on that. Uh, I'm going to start actually in the Old Testament here and in Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy is Moses' last big speech to the Israelites before they go in to take uh, the promised land and he dies. And it's his setting forth. It's a bit like, it's the wrong word, but it's a bit like the gospel of the Old Testament. It's him reciting the whole covenant. Him setting before the people, this is the covenant that you, the chosen people, have. And this is what will happen if you live with God and are obedient. And this is what will happen if you don't. And right towards the end, he says this. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So I think we often think of, being, of the Old Testament, especially books like Deuteronomy, being very legalistic. And when you read other chapters in Deuteronomy and in the first five books of the Bible, there's a lot of rules and commands there. I'll come on to how the sort of religious people of Jesus' day saw all of this. And most of you will know what happens to the people of Israel when they go in and take the land. Uh, but before, uh, yeah, so it came to pass that in effect they invoked the curses on themselves that Moses set out. He even had the people go up on mountaintops and half the tribes recite blessings and half the curses of what would happen to them. And obviously it's generation after generation after generation. And they didn't hold fast. So in many ways, what is said is they were disobedient. But the, they were disobedient. But they did what they were told not to do, which is they turned from the Lord their God to the things they were commanded not to do, which is other gods especially. Uh, and they were surrounded by other gods when they went in, the gods of the people they took over. 
And there's all sorts of examples in the Old Testament that we haven't got time to go into. But it's the disobedience came from the turning of their faith away from the one who brought them out of Egypt, the one who promised that they were his people. They were the benefactors, the inheritors of his promise. It was when they turned away from that faith. And I want to, if you could put just maybe the last couple of verses up, Paul. I want something that's got the Lord in it, the Lord your God. Because in the Old Testament, where it says in our Bibles, the Lord, which is all in sort of lower capitals, small capitals, we think that that is sort of pronounced Yahweh. It is the name of God. It is not God, because and in any community, any people group in the world, you say God, what will come to their mind is something totally different from what you think and from what probably their neighbour thinks and so on. Uh, Tozer said that what comes into your mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. What Moses does here is in Deuteronomy, he says the Lord so much it's untrue. And you read through it and we read through it and you just you scan straight through and it's the Lord your God. The thing is, when God pronounces his name before Moses in Exodus and he appears to him and processes before him, what he says is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. But the Lord, from God's perspective, means I am who I am. From our perspective to him, it's you are who you are. So what Moses is saying throughout this is, when he says the Lord your God, he is saying the one who is who he is, your God. The one who made you, the one who made all things in whom all things exist, the one who chose your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Joseph. That's wrong, Jacob. Uh, the God, that God, the one God. And if you try reading through Deuteronomy, which I've tried this week, which I have done this week, and you're reading through it, if instead of saying the Lord, you say the one who is who he is, instead of just gliding through it, you, you end up going, oh, the one who is who he is. And you go, and you, and you go oh, the one who is who he is. And it's a vastly different picture. And that's what Moses sets before the people. So he's showing them who their God is and saying, be faithful to him. So it's not about bare bones, religious obedience. But the thing is, they didn't do it. So in Jesus' day, we know about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who were legalistic. Because the previous generations had failed and were taken off into exile and the nation was destroyed, as Moses has declared. So for them, they go, well, we need to be obedient to the law because it says we have to be obedient in everything. So they were thoroughly religiously obedient. 
to the point of tithing their garden herbs. But they missed the heart of it because it no, they had no faith with it. Their faith was in their obedience. It's taken me a long time to get to that point. That's where I was heading. So their faith was in their obedience because of all that stuff I just talked about. This is Martin Burton's take, by the way. I have not read books that say this, but I think I'm about on the money. So, faith in obedience is vastly different from obedience that comes from faith, which is what Jesus showed them. They were also affected, as is everybody, by the society around them, the culture, the empire even that they lived in. So they'd been taken into exile in Babylon, they'd been through the Greek uh, empire, and then they were in the Roman Empire. And as in many ways are we, and we're still sort of in that culture where the things that are prized and honoured almost as God are knowledge, uh, understanding, personal choice, independence, individuality. But faith in the one who is who he is puts in perspective who we actually are and what's important. So my second point is that understanding does not lead to faith. I really used to think it did. And I'm from that Western culture, the sort of Greek mindset. I think most of us are. I've been to university. And we prize knowledge and understanding. So, so often, even when we're teaching here, we can easily slip into talking about stuff and knowledge and try and seek mental understanding. I can tell you that after more than 25 years as a Christian, understanding in my mind does not breed faith. But when I seek with faith understanding, then it comes. The faith comes first. Faith is an act of the will, not of the mind. And through stepping in faith, which I'm going to talk a bit more about, uh, then we come to actually understand what's going on. Right, I'm going to have to watch the sound again. What is this? Uh, the answer is not Jesus, just this time. It's a door. It goes in and out. I better put that back. Anyone care to hazard a guess what makes that a door? I've got a particular answer which doesn't have to be your answer. Yeah, it's used as a door. We name it so. It's designed to be a door. Uh, but my illustration is this. No, I, so faith is like a hinge. So that door is a piece of wood. It's been there a long time. If you took it off its hinges, it's sort of still a door. It's a door-shaped piece of wood. But if you remove it and lie it down, it could become a table. It could be, if, you, if it 
jumped off the hinges, sat itself in the field and stayed there a hundred years, it would be a rotten piece of wood. Maybe suitable for burning, maybe suitable for nothing. Faith is like a hinge in that the hinge connects it to the place it's meant to be, into this building, and puts it in its place. If you take that away, it ceases to be the door. It can't swing around. It can't fulfill its purpose. So faith, for a human, connects us into the reality of God, which is unseen, which Corinthians talks about. And it's our faith that puts us in that place and allows us to be what we're meant to be. I'm seeing confused looks, and it sounded better when I thought it through. Uh, And so, yeah, faith is an act of the will that leads to understanding and experience the things promised by the one who is who he is. Can we have the Proverbs passage up, please? Now, what I was saying about understanding and what we seek and how we think that understanding will bring faith, again, an Old Testament passage in Proverbs flips that on its head. It's mainly about verses 5 and 6, but we'll do the whole six verses because they're some of my favorite in the Bible. Uh, So, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Heart, not mind. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Here we go. Trust in the one who is who he is with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, in the latest translation, it says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I know, acknowledge, but now the NIV says, submit to him. So in all your ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So that's the thing again, where faith in him... So we're in a situation, and we don't know what to do, or we're confused, or we go, what is real here? What's actually going on? Our modern mindset goes, let's work this out. What do we see? And we do it by sight and by our own human understanding. But to live by faith, not by sight, is to go, Lord, you are the one who is who he is. In you is everything. And the faith goes through and says, Lord, I trust that you can reveal what's going on, that you know that you are good and that you will bring what you want to bring. Then understanding comes. Then the path is made straight. It's interesting that in the Deuteronomy passage especially, uh, it's a corporate thing. Moses is addressing the people en masse. Now again, in our culture, we tend to be very individualistic. And we think that faith and understanding is purely down to the individual. But it's not. 
Things are corporate as well. So faith can be a corporate thing. We choose together what we do uh, with each other and whether we choose the whole, whether it's for our community, the church, or whether faith is individual and just down to what we get. Uh, so the last thing I'm going to uh, give you is something that has changed me significantly. It's a personal thing. It's an individual thing, but it has a massive corporate effect. Uh, and it's this. So I want you to think of a politician, preferably someone who you know, you might not think a great deal of, whether it's the Prime Minister, the current Chancellor, you know, whichever secretary you wish to choose, past, present, or whatever, you probably have a politician who you think, oh. Okay, so you're thinking about that person and what they do, what they're like, or whatever. Uh, I would hazard a guess, if you're anything like me, that what you thought about that person was not based on faith. That what you think about that person is your opinion. So, I found that I went through a fairly bruising encounter with God on this uh, because I was acting out of my opinion. And we do that a lot. I mean, our, the, the current culture is so based on opinion. You know, social media, even news, so much. We base that on what we think. It's based on our understanding and the fact that that person isn't like us. So let's be honest, probably a lot of people, not everybody, and that's fine, might not have such a high opinion of Boris. But that's our opinion. What I want to say is, if you take that opinion to God, does he say, do you know what? You're right, they're an idiot. Condemn them. That's where it got messy for me. Because I realized it wasn't just politicians I had opinions about that were affecting how I operated in life. It was people closer to me than that. And we do it in the church. Uh, I'm afraid you know, this is part of my departing message for you, is that I was guilty of it with respect, certainly to Laurie. And though I wouldn't have vocalized stuff, I was living from my opinion. And we do that to each other and to all sorts of leaders, and that is not from faith. It is not from who God is. It is not from what he made people to be. It's from opinion. And to be honest, opinion counts for nothing. And in repenting of that and properly dealing with it, it's, it, it changed my marriage and how I see my kids. Because that's the only tie-in to Mothering Sunday I've got today for you. 
<laughs> because I stopped acting from where I thought they were different from me or what I thought they should be doing. And it came from our job in faith is to take that person, whether it's our own kids or spouse or leader, whoever it is, and hold them before God and say, Lord, you know, in faith, I trust you to make them what you made them to be. And I pray for your very best for them. And the more I read scripture, the more it all melds together in, into a whole and I see how things come round on each other. And it's like with uh, the parts of the body that Paul talks about. Everyone is different and should not expect the other parts to be like it. So if I'm a little finger and I look, go to the stomach, yeah, you're not right. That's not how you should be. Where does that get us? And I, I use the stomach, and especially if we take, say, the Prime Minister as an example. If, we, if, if he's the stomach, I'm not going to say he's the head, because we know who the head really is. But the stomach is vital, vital, vital. And we know that if the stomach's not working properly, everything suffers. But if all the other parts of the body say to the stomach, you're useless, you are not like an elbow, you are a hopeless thing, you're condemning your own stomach. And then what happens? Everything and everybody suffers. It's not acting from faith. It's acting from opinion. And our role that God has given us together as equals is to hold each other up in faith and prayer to ask for God's best. Because if the stomach is blessed... Everything's healthy. If you feel poked or punched in the chest, that wasn't me. If you feel that, if I've, for some of you it may resonate and for some it might not. If it does, and if you feel that there's something you've got to do, you know, we're coming up for communion. Uh, you'll know about whether you come to communion or not with things that you've got to deal with. Uh, we're going to have time of worship now. We're not. We're having communion. Okay. So there may not be the opportunity to deal with stuff <laughs> that you, you need to. Uh, but so... Yeah, Laurie's going to lead us through communion. If you feel that's something you need to do, uh, do it. Also, as I thought this through, I thought, if you're sitting there thinking, but I'm not sure about faith, or I don't have faith, and if somehow you're unsettled by the fact that I've talked about faith, whereas you live with understanding or whatever then to say you don't have faith is like saying that you're not human. It, it's, it's not true. But I've been in that way. And we all have faith. 
It's what you put it in. And it grows, and it needs exercise. And it's okay, you know, you are where you are. But it grows when you make a decision in any situation, whether it's an opinion that sprouts, you can choose to, in faith to go, no, Lord, what is your view? And like I say, if you're in a situation where you're faced with uncertainty or whatever it is, it's an exercise there to step and say, okay, do I put my faith in what I see, what I'm worried about, what I think this person is saying to me and condemning or whatever, or do I put my faith in the one who is who he is, who I know barely little, but I trust will reveal more to me as I am able and as he wills. Amen.